Hi, friends. Hello, should I delete that, listeners? We still have some tickets left for our live tour and we would absolutely love to see you there. On Thursday, the 23rd of May, we will be performing in the London Islington Assembly Hall. On Monday, the 27th of May, we will be in Salford. On Tuesday, the 28th of May, we'll be in Glasgow. Sunday, the 2nd of June, Birmingham. Monday, the 3rd of June, Bristol. And Tuesday, the 4th of June in Southampton. You can get your tickets at aegpresents.co.uk or via the link in the show notes or our Instagram bios. Really hope we see you there. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, "What the f- are you talking about? You insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from thirty dollars a month to just fifteen dollars a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Just jumping in with a trigger warning ahead of this episode. We do mention suicide in it. So if you'd rather not listen, we completely understand. But if you are affected by any of the things we talk about in today's episode, please head down to the show notes for a number for the Samaritans. Success to me isn't winning, it's not getting the medal. If you can hold your hand and say, yeah, I did my absolute fucking best here, then that's success because what you learn about yourself in any process outweighs any result. Hello and welcome back to Should I Delete That? I'm Lynn Clarkson and today the Matrix is glitching because our... Our, our, our sound person is making the sounds. Hi, Daisy. Hello. <laughs> that was the biggest dad joke I've ever... The sound person's <laughs> making the sounds. Daisy Grant. That's me. I'm doing it all, baby. <laughs> Behind the scenes and on the stage all at once. <laughs> Write the theme tune, sing the theme yeah, tune. Yeah, literally. <laughs> How you doing, Daisy? I'm doing very well. It's really sunny here today in Wales, which is surprising because it's been miserable for about mm, seven months. Um, so that's <laughs> nice. How are you doing? I'm really good. I'm just home from Japan. We got back last night. For listeners worried that Alex, girl Alex, is still not here. Um, she's also sliving. I'm just, I'm just holding, I, I say I, there's no I in team. We are holding down the fort. With, yeah, with thank the, you. With, <laughs> I, I say we. I mean, Daisy, Daisy's holding <laughs> down the fort. I'm loving it. Are you? Yeah, it's good. It's fun. You hear that girl, Alex? We're loving it. No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> Brutal, no, we love you. Come back. Yeah, no, do come back. So have you got anything? I can't believe, I don't think you've done a GVA before. Never, never. Makes me very sad two years in to tell me. My only contribution to my with my voice to the podcast has been I'm going to get a big tie, I think. I'm going to get, a, I'm big gonna get tie. a big tie. I did think that. I was like, if that's not her, if she's not had a big tie this week. Oh, I haven't. Uh, there's, no, there's no Thai restaurant near me. Nothing. That'll be the sad. That's your bad. <laughs> that's my I didn't bad. get There's a no big tie. Um, I think my good this week is simply that me and Daisy and Spinach are all back together in Wales again, which is really cosy because we've been off doing separate things. And I think it's the first time after Christmas that we've all just been settled down together and it's just comfortable and nice and we're having a really good time. And so life is just good, you know. Listen to context. Go Daisy's on. not talking about herself and her other personality daisy's fiance is also called daisy so yes. the gang's back together and my dog beddington whippet 
spinach. No. Yeah, so Daisy, my fiance, and I are just having a lovely time and life is good. And that's good. that's my good at the moment. What's yours? Good. My good is that I'm back. I have the yes. best time. I know, big fat yes. I have never, it's so bizarre actually, I've never wanted to come home from anywhere more in my life, which makes it sound like I had a bad time, which I didn't. I had an amazing time. Like it was so cool. We had two whole weeks of like adventure and it was I'm so proud of myself that we did it and like Mm. it was epic to see somewhere so far away I don't imagine I'll ever do a trip like that again definitely not with like a baby like it was just a mad adventure but by like day 11 I was like oh my god we could go home (laughs) now like I would not be mad we were just so tired and I don't know, the food's amazing, but it's so different to what you're used to. And after a while, you're just like, oh my God, I'm just craving like ease again. And Mm. so, yeah, I just, we started really looking forward to coming home and now I'm back and I, I'm just so happy. Like I'm back on the same time zones as my friends. I'm back working again, back with you. Um, Because that was hard trying to do the WhatsApps and stuff and like do stuff when I'm nine hours ahead. I felt Um, so bad. I was like, I need an answer on this, but I'm so sorry because I know you're literally in the airport. This is the worst. I'm the worst. I'm sorry. No, no, not at all. Um, My fault for leaving. But um, yeah, just so happy to be back and like back into my routine. And like, I'm going to start my marathon training and I'm back in my own bed and I've got a high, Arlo's got a high chair again and a cot again. And like, oh we my can God. get clean clothes out of the drawer rather than like the least dirty thing out of the suitcase. Like, it's just so good. There's so many layers of like holiday that's always so good, but it does get to a point, any holiday, I think, where it can be too long. And like the fact that you did that all with a baby, fucking well done, you guys. Like, that's Thank so you cool. So much. Yeah, I'm going, I'm really literally, cool. I'm finishing this and I'm going to soft play because I just want to put her in a padded room where she can't hurt herself and she doesn't yeah. need to be held by me. Because I, what, she's not been, da- like, in lots of ways Japan is quite baby friendly and in lots of ways it's sort of not. And it was interesting, but I think we actually have not, not been holding her this whole time. Like not, there was nowhere to put, she's at an age, just started walking where it's like chaos She's Big probably desperate chaos. to be put in that soft blade. She's like, get off me. A hundred percent. She's like, give me space, let, man. Yeah. Let me fly. Yeah. Stop <laughs> clipping my wings. Yeah. I can walk now. I'm a grown up. Yeah. See ya. out of here. She's yeah. actually regressed on the walking front. She was nailing it. And then obviously <laughs> she's been carried for two weeks. And then I put her down this morning on her mat and she was just like, She's like, forgot. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that's good. I'm home. I'm so happy. Anything bad, please. My lady. It's it's kind of like a half bad, half good. <sighs> Today, as we record, it's Friday, which means it's the traitors final tonight, which oh I'm so excited for, but so devastated that it's the end of because I've been watching so intensely. Have you loved it? I haven't watched it. Absolutely loved it. We just have to watch it intensely because Daisy and I have a podcast about it. Um, So I take this job very seriously of watching the traitors. And so I'm quite sad that it's coming to an end, basically. Wow. That's my bad. I, yeah, I can't believe it's already over, but I also feel like it's one of those internet phenomenons that I've been left out of because everybody's mad on it. And I, you miss the beginning and then you're like, well. You've been away. Yeah. So never mind, guys, go on without me. So I've just missed this season. But I have seen Claudia Winkleman. Did you see the jumper that she was wearing? There was a jumper that she was wearing that everyone's, everyone's gone mad for it. 
and um, my toxic trait is that I thought I could knit it. So um, I found the company that makes it and you can buy the pattern for it so that you can knit it. I'll send it to you because I'm totally thinking I should do it. I reckon you could. You're a good knitter, aren't you? I've been told by you. So (laughs) I assume you are. So all evidence points to yes. Yes, Yes, you're a good knitter. You said you're good Um, at it. I can knit a scarf. I can knit straight lines. What I'm nervous Uh. about is neckline sleeves and sewing. But... I'm not going to let that stop me. I also have no time. I am time poor. I either never have a free hand. I don't have time to knit. Is that if you get me? any no. moment that's free, though, to do it, to use it knitting, it's just so, you feel so good about yourself. I know, I know. And better know. than everyone. Better than everyone else because I could be sitting on my phone scrolling TikTok while watching TV or I could be knitting while watching TV. Exactly. And that is a good ADHD choice in my opinion. I know. I'm just so. like, I feel you, girl. I feel you. <laughs> it's a bit of us. So let me let me try. You should do it. She, what was What's your bad? My bad is the 14-hour flight with a baby. It was just very bad. That's long, It's over it? now. Yes. Yes. And the night flight was one thing. The day flight whole different kettle of fish we were just awake and yeah needing her not to cry because everybody already hates you and that should be my awkward actually when you walk onto a plane holding a baby honestly it's like you could have done a shit in your own hand and carried it down the aisle for the way that people look at you like it's a kind of like angry disappointment and as a chronic people pleaser that is a devastating look to be on the receiving end of yeah totally it's really unfair i feel so bad she crushed it she barely cried like the guy next to me was yeah he was snoring louder than what she was crying can i just say i swear so many grown men would be a million times worse than a baby surely yeah i'd rather sit next to a baby than him like we got he took his shoes off immediately no no and then at one point he lifted his t-shirt up and he scratched his belly with both his hands <laughs> <laughs> i don't know why he had to get both of them. it was like a big bear like that's a, that's such a weird thing to do why did you just go under look. the shirt and have a little itch? i know i don't know he like fully lifted it up and went i don't like it no. i don't like this man i wouldn't like being no. next to him that's horrible no. No. And actually, just to continue my attack on this man's personality. Yeah, gimme. When we got off the flight, he'd obviously been skiing and in Japan, because you can ski in Japan. And he pushed in front of me with my baby and another man holding a baby and to get into the lift with his big skis. I hate him. So the the babies couldn't go in the lift. And I just thought, huh. I hope he tripped. I hope he tripped on his way home or got stuck in traffic on the particular route that he went on. Yeah. I hope he felt that. I hope he paid. You know what? The worst, the best thing the Katia ever did. I'm sure I told this story on the podcast, but I remember when I was like eight months pregnant and I was trying to get home from Leicester Square. Yeah. And I was so tired and just so enormous and it was so cold. And this old fuck pushed in, like I was waiting. I called my cab, had my arm out and he pushed in front of me. I did tell this story. And he stole my cab, and as and he put his date in the cab, and as as the date went away, Catty just looked at him and goes, and he was really old. She's like, "I hope you trip and break both your arms." <laughs> good I hope you break both your arms. What a good sis! You need her. Yeah, exactly. Defending my honour. Did you have an awkward already? My awkward is mostly that I walked onto the flight, but also just a second awkward. I also got lymphatic drainage this morning, which was definitely a good. I was so turgid after like just eating loads of salt, not drinking loads of water and then the flight home. And um, so I had lymphatic drainage, which was like so amazing. Loved it. 
Um, but at one point, the lady went, um, do you mind if I rub your breast? And I said... <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> that one you've really got some stuff in there like we've got to get that out <laughs> so she, yeah that let, breast in particular milk me so she just peeled back the the towel and took i'm gonna say my boob in one hand but it's enormous so probably both hands and <laughs> just rubbed it and i was oh my God, like did it feel oh, this is intimate. satisfying uh, or uncomfortable define satisfying i don't know maybe you just felt satisfied after Nope, that sounds really wrong. I didn't mean it like yeah. that. I just meant from no, the general just... lymphatic drainage. What? I don't really understand what it is. Are you just, are you, is, are things just moved on your body? They just body? rub you and it's mad. And I didn't, I wouldn't have believed in it except I did it once after I had a baby because I read about the benefits of like after a cesarean. So I did it and it was so amazing. And then I went, my friend does facials. My sister works at a facialist. She's a receptionist at the facialist. And so then I was learning a lot about like lymphatic drainage of the face. So I basically got like fully swayed into like the lymphatic drainage thing. And today I was like, you know what? This is when I need it. Like I'm so like full After a of flight, liquid. For like, sure. Yeah, yeah. My fingers are swole. Like my ankles are swole. And you know, when like I just felt really swole. Yeah. And she basically just, they just rub you. Yeah. In the direction of your lymph, lymph nodes. So like to your elbows, sorry, to, to your elbows, to your underarms, yeah. to the bottom of your tummy, like just full massage basically. And then you just have to drink loads and loads of water and it drains you. And honestly, the difference I feel, she did one of my legs and then made me lift it up and then made me lift up the leg that she hadn't done. And it was literally like the one she hadn't done was full of lead. Really? It was amazing. Yeah, it was amazing. Oh, I just want to do that. That sounds really fun. Yeah, it was really good. Yes, you should. And just be prepared that someone might ask you if you'd like your breasts to be rubbed. And also go for it, lady. Give it a red you, hot go. I don't mind. Girl. <laughs> you get it, girl. You get in there. What about you, my friend? Anything awkward before we get into the interview? Oh my God, it's really boring. But basically, I just don't know how my oven works. And I think it's just really awkward. I I, I cried when Daisy got home the other day from London because I, I made it. I spent, I slaved over an aubergine parmigiana and I was feeling so <laughs> proud of it. And then we got back home and it was burned to shit. And I just took it out of the oven and immediately burst into tears. And Daisy was like, don't worry, darling, I'll still eat it. And it was like black on top. And I was like, this is the worst thing ever and so i'm just imba- i'm just embarrassed I'm, i should be old enough to know how my fucking oven works but i don't i love that, that oh. I own it I, I thanks mean, babe do. yeah it's bad it just it made me upset that's big alex energy that i know i'm actually quite a good cook so i was quite sad and this is what is upsetting me i'm like it's ruining my food the oven it's not me <laughs> yeah oh you my saved over an aubergine parmigiana <laughs> i did i did i tell you i did um so i'm quite devil about that anyway awkward embarrassing but yeah, fuck also your oven. yeah fuck my oven so who have we got that on the podcast today m clarkson as if you wouldn't know as if you didn't spend hours editing it already it's true <laughs> <laughs> but i like it i'll play along so today on the podcast we have my friend dan richards who came to tell his story, which I'm so grateful for. So I first met Dan in 2016. He was one of the band of brothers, one of the wounded guys on a bike ride that my mum and I were doing for Help for Heroes. So it was one of the big battlefield bike rides. And I hadn't met Dan before and he got up and did a speech on the third or fourth day about his story, about his accident. He was in a motorcycle crash. Um, 
which resulted in him losing not just his arm, but his entire shoulder as well. So had this completely life-changing injury and lost his job as a result. And he spoke so openly about not only his accident, but about the mental health implications of an accident like that. And it was so moving and we were we became friends literally from that day on I just we just loved him he came and cycled with us for the rest of the trip and he's been in my life ever since it's been eight years and I'm really really grateful that he came to speak to us he's had such an interesting career since then he went on a show called Naked Beach which I always thought was the bravest thing in the whole wide world that's um, so iconic isn't it and his journey to confidence and body confidence it's just been really remarkable to watch so I was really excited that he came to speak to us and actually just told us his own story he basically gave the speech that he did that I heard all those years ago so um he's just here to tell his story really and I hope you love him as much as we do Hello, Dan. Hello. I'm so excited that you came to speak to us. Um, For context, Dan and I have been friends for... Seven years. Seven? Yeah. Is it? 2016, yeah. Wow. (laughs) So, yeah, we met in 2016 and that was on one of the Help for Heroes bike rides, which we were cycling... Where were we going? Uh, It was was Northern France, Battlefield bike ride. So it was Belgium to Verdun. It was a long way. Yeah. It was... Was it your first time... Doing so, an event like that. So I, I mean, this is part of my introduction to cycling, but like that ride, um, so I got a spot as an ambassador, or they called them the Band of Brothers back then. Mm, for Help for Heroes. With Help for Heroes. And the Band of Brothers was just a community of wounded and sick. So it doesn't matter if you were a woman, uh, male, female, um, um, you, you were kind of a, a band of brother anyway. And the relatives was t- the Band of Sisters. And you could be a right. you could be a husband you, you, in yeah. a band of sisters. Got it, got it. So it wasn't okay. gender specific. We met on that. We met a couple of days in, um, which was at some point in Belgium. I met Dan because, like you say, there were hundreds of people on the ride, and you got up and you told your story, and it was so amazing. And yeah. you came and sat with us for lunch after that, and like we've been friends since, which I'm very very grateful for. That was how I learned so much about you because obviously you told your story so eloquently. So it would be amazing for everybody listening if you could kind of tell us your story, how you came to be involved with Help for Heroes, your accident and yeah, everything that led you to do that bike ride in the first place. Yeah, sure. Well, pull up a sandbag and I'll tell you a story. <laughs> <laughs> so I I was brought up in a military kind of family, really. Like my 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 biological father, who I have no relationship with, and it's I think it's a mutual kind of thing. He left when I was four. So I was born in Ascot. We moved to Germany and that's where him and mum got divorced. And we moved back to the UK. We then moved to Swindon um, where, you know, I pretty much grew up there from about nine to 17. But mum had a boyfriend who was an absolute, yeah, do you know what? He was a, he was a shit bag. <laughs> He's a very strict man. And I'm the oldest of three. Um, I used to get beaten up like a man. Um, like hit around the head and stuff and um, my sister was abused um mum had no idea what was going on until the day she found out um and i just remember waking up one morning and he's gone and it's the first time in growing up where i've felt safe in a, in a in a house like between after mum getting divorced to dad and then this guy leaving so it was it was uh it was it was it was, uh, it was a strange upbringing, but 
Mum did so good with us, and we lived on a council estate and stuff. And but we, as kids, we'd never know how, like, if Mum was in like financial trouble or anything, because she completely kept away from. We had a really good upbringing, all bar four years, with an absolute prick of a bloke in the house. And then Mum met my, for all in, intents and purposes, my stepdad, but he's my dad, so his surname is my surname, and and whatnot. So for ease of conversation, for the rest of today, um, he's my dad. Um, Mum met my dad. In, in Tidworth, he was in the army, and every day I used to watch him go out to work in his uniform. I'd see him with his friends and stuff, and uh, and all of that all coming around the house, and that whole kind of obviously uh, that at such a young age, you don't know what that is. But I was like, that's what I want. And I was I was eight years old, give or take, when I said to mum and dad, I was like, when I'm old enough, I want to be like dad. That's what I want to do. Um, and I guess at such a young age, to have that kind of direction and sense of purpose, if you like. Like I knew who I wanted to be. I knew what I needed to do to get there. Um, so all through school, I knew, I didn't do well at school anyway, but I didn't like school to be honest. But um, all through school, whilst friends are choosing what GCSE is to do to get into what college or, or university, I was like, I'm not interested in any further education. I just want to finish school, start basic training. And, um, yeah, I, le I left home for the first time at 17 for any long anything longer than a weekend to go and join the army. And that's kind of when I I saw independence stuff and like, you know, you know, leaving home, kind of being opened to a an environment that I wanted for so many years. For me, I was living the dream. And and so yeah, I went. I, I did basic training. Left left basic training. My training was in Perbright in Surrey. And then um, it was during those first three months that I got told about a regiment called the King's Troop. And so I was sold the dream of riding horses and riding on parades and all of this, um, which kind of went against what I joined the army for. And um, one thing my dad always told me when I was growing up and I was joining the army is, "This is what you do." This is what you want to do. Make sure you get a trade. And so all these trades are rolled off from the King's Troop. And then Farrier was one. So Farrier's a blacksmith. They make the shoes for the horses and stuff. But there's so many different facets of that as well. So with that in mind, knowing that the King's Troop is a non-deployable unit, it's it's predominantly a ceremonial regiment. I was like, well, before I tie myself down with that, there are things that I want to do. I want to do operational tours. I want to do some, I want, I want to do uh, adventurous training. I want some life experience. And I want some world experience. So I went off to Afghanistan in 2007. I came back, trekked through Nepal and the Himalayas. And then when we got back from that, and this was the end of 2008 now, I had made it clear that I was only in the King's Shoot to become a farrier. And if that wasn't a possibility, then I, I want to be transferred out. Um, so it was agreed that after a parade, and it was the Queen's birthday parade, or Troop in the Colour, that um, I could start making progress towards getting into the forge. I did one full dress review of Troop in the Colour, which is the 30th of May, 2009. And I managed to get my dad and my grandma, the last two tickets to come and sit in the stands and watch it. My family had never seen me on parade um, in, in that capacity before. And um, the following day, I handed over the guard room. I went out on my motorbike, riding back to my barracks. I don't know, I've... I don't know what happened, how it happened. I didn't even have flashbacks. Um, I woke up sort of three days later in the Royal London at Whitechapel via helicopter, an arm and shoulder liar, amongst some other injuries. And I had a collision 
the central reservation on the A41, the Hendon Way, shoulder first, which ripped my arm and shoulder oh. off on site. I'd lacerated my internal jugular, two broken ankles, and then this arm was smashed to pieces as well. Oh and there's a picture gosh. of me on my phone somewhere of me in hospital, after not long, a day or so after I've been woken up with my arm suspended in a blue foam cast with like external fixators in it, cast up my legs with a with a beaming smile on my face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As you do. <laughs> but like, the thing is, the thing is, is when they woke me up in, and I don't remember much, but I do remember being woken up in hospital um, and they were like, oh, Mr. Richards, you know, you've, I thought I was back in my barracks in, back in my room in my barracks when I woke up and then sort of as I sort of began to piece together I mean the first thing that hit me I've never forgotten it is like the the peppery anaesthetic taste in the back of your throat from the anaesthetic right. I've been in operations before and and like it was a familiar in in so I kind of like something bad's happened here I don't know what and as you kind of begin to get your senses the mask lifted up mum and dad was stood over me which I always thought was strange at the time because in my room in the barracks and bearing in mind that room was tiny um, but it was mine. I didn't have to share it with anyone. Um, my bed was right next to the wall where the window was. Right. So I get how dad was stood here, but I was like, how are you stood there? Like, how are you <laughs> between the wall and my bed? Oh um, and that was it. And obviously I began to see the, the beds for the ward and it was an ICU unit. And, 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 then, and then obviously the doctor came marching in with his, with his assistant. And, and that's when I got given the good news, really. It was just like, good news. And... Um, and um, it's, you've been in a horrific motorcycle accident. You're very lucky to be alive, and you've got two broken ankles. Um, the left one needed pins to reset it. Um, but your left arm was broken. I think when they got to me in the road, my hand was cupping my elbow, um, so it's bent right back on on itself. I've I've got a picture of the X-ray as well. It's like plates up and down the radius in the ulna. Um, and I hit the barrier that hard that I bust my. I was in full levers. I bust the jacket open, but the zip was still done up. Um, I've, I've still got my helmet at home from that day um, and it's a nice little reminder of how things can change um, in, 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 a click of, in a blink of an eye but and the doctor walked round from my left arm round about my bed came up the right hand side and it's like watching him um, and then the next words that come out were like unfortunately but then like any sentence that starts unfortunately really is not gonna have a good outcome, is it? So no. it's like, unfortunately after six and a half hours of surgery, we were unable to save your right arm. If you think, oh, okay, and shoulder. And I remember looking over and like where, where this should have been was a pillow. I had a little black piece of material stapled. I didn't have enough skin to cover the hole. When the doctor had said that, I got a bit upset because that's like a massive shock to the system. I was 23 at the time as well. And I got a bit upset and obviously being that age as well, vanity is a massive part of your life. Um, and it's like, who's who's going to want me now, basically? Like, you know, I'm, I'm going to be just a broken kind of disregarded thing for the rest of my life. Like, and um, and I got a bit upset. And then I remember looking around there, there were there were people from the regiment there, mum and dad were there, friends were there, and they were obviously a bit upset. I've had this massive, massive shock to the system. And then the nurse was there and um I went uh, verbatim, I went, I said, Is the is the plumbing still attached and working? And she went, Well, that's fine, you've got a catheter hanging out of it. I went, Do you know what? Nothing else matters then, does it? I said, There <laughs> there are people worse off than me. Um <laughs> looking back on that moment. Do you know what? I guess is the moment I accepted my situation. I was like, I'm going to be a man of one arm for the rest of my life. It's never going to grow back. I'll probably never get it back. So let's just get on with it. Um, 
And it was in hospital where I set my first goal. Mm. Um, they wheeled me into the toilet um, after having an enema. Um, and it was like when uh, I've never felt more vulnerable in my life after having one of those. <laughs> oh, <I bet. laughs> but um, um, they wheeled me in and they said, when you're finished, pull the orange cord and someone will come and tidy you up. And I was just like, had a word, like a bit of a quiet word with myself in the toilet. I said, if I've not, if, if, I, if I can't wipe my own ass and I've got the capacity to be able to do so, this hand was in a cast at the time, I need to have a word with myself. And that was when I went, I need my independence back. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. But there are so many different chapters, if you like, to what independence is. It's not just feeding yourself, tying your shoelaces and writing. It's so getting dressed, uh, writing, everything. So many things. Even now, 14 years down, you know, deep, I still go, oh, how am I going to do that? I didn't know at the time how fundamental, like, how fundamentally life-changing goal-setting would become. But that was what it was. And I spent two months in the hospital before I went to Headley Court. Headley Court uh, was... Uh, the Defence Medical Rehabilitation Centre, where everyone within the military goes, whether you've broken a finger or you've lost arms or legs and or legs. Um, and that's really when I got exposed to other people in similar situations, living with limb loss. And, and, and I, I think I used them as inspiration. And my first prosthetic arm I ever wore was a purely cosmetic. It was just a shirt filler, elaborate one at that. And all it did was hang there. And it's kind of it gave me a, a little bit of a glimpse into what it would be like to live with a paralyzed arm. The amount of accommodation I had to do with just getting putting a t-shirt on with this prosthetic arm, I was like, you know, what? I'm glad it's gone because I, I'd have it off anyway. Um, it, you know, it, it's um, surplus to requirement essentially. And and so return back to the regiment, relearn to ride a horse again because I was quite adamant that I'm going to go back to the the unit um and i'm not gonna let really one bad day kind of dictate and ruin what i've spent well essentially my life kind of wanting to do i love your mentality i was just about to say one bad day day. (laughs) (laughs) it's a very bad day it's a very yeah (laughs) um i really let's ride a horse i i I took up an opportunity to go rock climbing in spain um and it was on the rock face and i think this is this is like two years in now like post post injury I remember on the rock face, I became the lead climber of that little 10-day expedition. And I went, you know what? If I can adjust to this way of life like I have, I've got nothing to worry about. Like, uh, how wrong was I? But um, shortly after that experience and whatnot, um, 
I then, I was three years in and that's when I had uh, a medical board. I had a medical board every year and every year that I had them, this was the third one. The, the previous two I'd been like, no, I'm gonna stay in. And I met all of the the criteria that they set for me to achieve. Um, this to this, stay in the army. To stay in the army. Obviously at the time as well, and this is 20, well, tw 2009 was the accident. 2012 was the last one, but in the in those in those years, I had to meet criteria, you know, to show that willing. And I was very much of the opinion, like, look, I'm coming back to the coming back to the army. I don't want to be just someone that sits in the corner and collects dust like a useless ornament, if you like. Like, I want to earn my spot back here. I can't do press ups. I can't do pull ups. Well, I can run. And so I, I did it. I, you know, I did it. I, With I the did. metal plates in your ankles as well. But this wasn't, it, it was, it, um, I had the bolts out at this point. So I went in for this medical board and that's when they said, like, literally, you are no longer insured to do anything military ever again, including making cups of tea for anyone other than yourself. I was in Frimley Park the following day, had my ankle fused, so I can't run. And the day after that, I was in um, Tebworth House. Tebworth House is a Healthy Heroes Recovery Centre. And leaving the military under medical discharge terms is a six-month process. Right. Um, I was wheelchair-bound at the time, non-weight-bearing for my ankle fusion. So I couldn't really get involved on the, the resettlement process. Um, like the buildings were inaccessible. So I just involved myself in whatever I, as I could do. And it was things like, what can I do to bump my CV up? Because bearing in mind, I'd spent the last sort of nine and a half, ten years only interested in things that got me into the forge. I was not as tunnel vision. And so I spent six months at Tebworth House and my last day in the military was the 28th of September, 2012. And that was literally my last paid day as a soldier in, in the military. And uh, I went back home and I was a little bit excited about the unknown, but at the same time I was thinking, what am I gonna do with my life? Now I had quite a bit of money saved up as well. I had a bit of money sort of saved up and I had given myself a month off. I got bored after two weeks and that's when I started to look for work. And it's like marrying up your experiences and you think, well, the job I did, the job I did in Afghanistan and the job I did in the UK and all the, I've got some managerial experience. Well, I started doing for that. It was an eight month kind of process, if you like, of which became 327 job applications, Whoa. of which not one led to anything sub-basic. Um, I think I had about five replies of you haven't got the skills or experiences we require. And, but during that time, and before I got to my next decision, I kind of swallowed my pride and thought, well, I'll go bottom of the ladder, entry-level roles, okay, yep. nothing. In the end of it, running parallel with all this as well, I'm living on my savings. My mum my and stepdad, and... Um, I remember I had to, it was the end of this eight month, it was August 2013 about, and I had to go and re-tax and insure my car, which I always used to do annually. I went to pay for it and my car declined. And I thought, oh, strange, did it again, declined. Looked at my online banking, I had 15 pence to my name, it, everything had gone. Oh that was all running parallel with all of this, trying to find a foothold in society. And one morning, mum and my stepdad had gone out to work and, um, I got out of the shower and this was a snap decision. I'd never thought about doing anything like this before. Um, and I saw a reflection in the mirror and I was, you know, I was overweight. I was unkept, no color, nothing like the person that you know, like a costume. You've just been hung up on the back of a door for years and forgotten about. And I went, if this is what life's got installed for me after everything I've been through, 
I'd really rather not be part of it. And I went and got I got a dressing gown belt and I tied one around the headboard, one around my neck, and I sat on the floor and I measured it out enough so that my bum wouldn't touch the floor. So it was done. And I got halfway through ending it and I was like, what's mum going to say when she finds me? And it was weird. And I untied it. I got up. I need to go back to London. And that was the next goal. And I, I need to go back to London. How the fuck am I going with 15p? How am I going to do this? And in the twist of fate, I was offered a job as a chauffeur with a startup company called Capstar. All of the workforce was military, the veteran community, with a percentage being wounded, injured and sick. Um, and wounded and sick is a large kind of um, group, if you like, of it's not just physical injuries, it's it's invisible as well, things you can't see, so PTSD. And they offered me a job on the spot, bearing in mind I met the the founder and um, the director of operations at the time, and I mean, I was, I had long hair, massive beard, a bit overweight, not that that mattered, but cargo shorts, a pair of manky Timberland boots, like really, and I'm, I'm going to be driving exposed to like, London's elite, essentially, business owners of like FTSE 500 companies and yeah, at some points like celebrity to different award ceremonies and stuff and a royalty at one point. And I moved out of, I moved from Somerset and I lived in a caravan from 2014, well, all of 2014, 315, um, in this caravan in a little village called Raysbury, just outside Windsor. And I remember it, this, this, the only luxury of this caravan, this static home that I had was that I could flush the toilets and run the taps. That was it. It leaked, it had holes in it. I'd go to bed at night in my old army sleeping bag and my duvet pulled over me because I couldn't afford the gas canisters for the heating. You know, some days I'd have like a, you know, an, Asda, an Asda home shopping van would turn up, but that was because somebody had come to see me and worked out my situation because in amongst those, there were days, there were weeks, sorry, where I couldn't afford to go shopping and fill my cupboards up. So I would live on custard cream biscuits and cups of tea. But like, I turned up to work for the clients, immaculately turned out, shirts were always ironed, suit was never creased, shoes were always shiny. And the people I was driving, and I was exposed to, and I was exposed to affluence of a level I'd never seen before, um, and success and, and so on. And... One day I went, I had a bit of an epiphany and I just went, what are these people doing when no one else is looking? Because if it's working for them, why can't it work for me? Um, and it wasn't about becoming, you know, massively successful, hideously rich beyond my wildest dreams overnight at all. But I just figured, I just figured what they're doing when there's no external validation. And I'm in a perfect place to find out because I was spending more time with these people in the back of my car then they're probably spending with their families. And so I began to cherry pick kind of personality attributes from, from these people. And for ease of conversation, it was the value of time. Um, the things that I could do, you know, before I start the day to make my day less compacted, if you like, without anything sitting on my mind. And, you know, some days I go and pick clients up at like five in the morning. I have to be at their house at five in the morning. So I get up like two hours early um, and I go for a walk around Raysbury. And it's just a walk. And by the time I got back to the car, it's I was it was and this is just one example, but it was always quite surprising and, and nice how clear my mind was, how more awake I was, and how ready for the day. And just through doing that and like this habit that I begin to begin to form, 
Um, I just went, any opportunity I get from now on, I don't care what it is. And I've written myself off from so much in the past. Um, I'm just going to say yes. I don't care what it is. Because I got a bit of a... It's not my saying. I've picked it up from somewhere. There's nothing more expensive than a missed opportunity. And so with that in mind, 2014, I was taken away by... Um, by an organization called Depth Therapy who took me away to Egypt um, where I learned to, in the run-up to Egypt, I learned to and then qualified as an open water scuba diver with Paddy. Got qualified, got the license for it, which I've never used since. Um, <laughs> I don't know anyone that actually uses those. Um, <laughs> Probably um, professionals, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> open. Um, and then I got back from there. I gave wing walking a go. Go. Yeah, which wing is wind walking. wing walking. Yeah, so you know, you know, like biplanes, the wings stuck on top of each other. Wing. I oh, said wind. Oh, wind, wind walking. Just jump up and down wing. in the wind and see how far you can go. Yeah. <laughs> like, wow. With an umbrella. Like wind. She gets really annoyed by it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's cycling contest. It's annoying. Yeah, yeah, headwinds. Yeah. Oh, Gave that a go, but it was through doing this, doing certainly those two things, and I'm sure there were others which I can't remember. I was beginning to find this sense of adventure. And it's like I was getting a glimpse into the old, the old Dan Richards, but, but with a bit of an improvement. And then I took up the opportunity to become go through a selection process to become part of like the world's first all disabled crew to row unsupported across the Atlantic Ocean. Um, I knew nothing about rowing, and you can imagine the jokes that I got. Um, you look at most rowers; they've got two arms, didn't they? So, <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I got a lot of jokes, you know. Oh, you can go around in circles and all that stuff. But there were a lot of naysayers as well. A lot of naysayers, you know. What are you doing that for? What's the point? You're never going to get it. Um, and do you know what? Yeah, I didn't get it. You know, I went. I went through the selection process, and I watched over that time as people kind of either removed themselves or they, you know, they, they, they weren't. I wouldn't say not good enough. That's that's the wrong word. But a lot of it was self removal, um, or the or the selection process kind of like, look, it's not going to go any further than this. And I got to the final five. I think there were about thirty of us all together. Got to the final five, and I did my final selection, which was a twenty four hour row on the indoor rowers with three of the selected four crew. And so I was a little bit like, yeah, I've definitely got this. This is going to be an amazing adventure. And I got the phone call, and it was like, we're going to go with someone else essentially. Oh gutting you say that that's my greatest achievement and and it sounds really wanky and cliche and stuff mm. like you should have a couple of hashtags at the end of it uh, but no um i learned more about myself um what i'm capable of in spite of my limitations in spite of the amount of naysayers and obstacles that i came up against in that process than i probably have done of any in any other time and so no, matter, no matter what i achieve from now until the day that i die that'll always be kind of the precipice of which i've built everything else upon and with that i put the phone down thank you very much and well, thanks for the opportunity i've really enjoyed it um put the phone down. i need something else to do i had a bike and that was my precursor to cycling and that's when we met I then moved into my flat where I live now in uh, in in South London. We helped you build your furniture. You did that 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 um no, you and no. Alex yeah. Yeah, we're like the worst people to help. <laughs> you say that. Ever. You said the, the knife rack is still up and working very well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, good. Um, and the one thing that I got from the row was what success is, and to me, and in my in my humble opinion, um, success to me 
isn't winning. It's not getting the medal. It's not getting the promotion. You can put it into any facet of life you like. And there's no shame in giving up. And no one should be made to feel ashamed for giving up. But running parallel with all of that, if you can hold your hand and say, yeah, I did my absolute fucking best here, then that's a success. Because what you learn about yourself in any process outweighs any result, any any tangible result. So if you're going to get a medal, you know, gold, silver, bronze, you know, if you don't get that, but you've done, you've tried your absolute best in doing that, well then, the bits that you've learned, you can carry over to the next if you try yeah, again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've taken that forward into cycling, and I did it on our ride, um, the Battle of Ride when we when we met. My thing with cycling is I can't stand up and cycle, so when it comes to hills. I'm confined to the saddle, top it over. And every hill that we got to in France, I rode up it. I was probably at the back sometimes, but I caught up with everyone, um, or they waited for me. And my thought process on that is, a hill is a hill, at the top of this hill, there's gonna be a nice view, it'll be lovely. If I get off and walk, I don't know, people, not everyone would agree with this, but my was like, if I get off and walk, yes, I'll get the view, but I wouldn't have earned it. Um, and and that's kind of what I do now. I take that into every hill that I do, even if I've ridden it before. I can get off and walk if I want to. But what what what's it taught me? That when it gets hard, I can just take the easy way up. And 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 I mean, take from that what you like. I mean, it's it's not a copy and paste thing. But I look at losing my arm and shoulder now, and this yeah probably sounds a bit of a cop-out but it's probably the greatest thing that's ever happened to me because the way I live my life now and the things that I've been able to do and the people I've met um <laughs> em, Hi, yeah. Francie Alex yeah. uh Finlow and uh, Kat and all that yeah you know, would probably never have happened had it had, had, I, had I not been through this like I'd never been on the battlefield bike ride like this I'd never have got the opportunity to train and be selected for the for the for the for the row um and and so on so so many things happen because of this and it aligns the values of how i live my life and it was the end of the battlefield bike ride i got to have um where it finished and i went i'm going to be a cyclist what can i do in cycling and i'd missed the encatchment deadline for the invictus games of 2017 which that year were held in toronto in, in 2017 the invictus games are the Prince Harry started them, and they're the military. It's basically yeah. The easy way to say it is it's like, it's, it's, it's like a military Olympics, Paralympic right. thing. Yeah, Paralympics. Yeah, okay. yeah. But it doesn't it doesn't focus on the elite competition. The Invictus Games is all about a recovery process. People people apply to take part in it as part of their recovery and so on. Because sport is a wonderful, wonderful tool when it comes to managing anything you're going through. Um, and I stand by that unequivocally. I'd moved into my flat at this point and I had I had no money to kind of afford the luxuries of cycling. And so I just basically begged, borrowed and steal what I could um, to train for the games. I couldn't afford, I couldn't even afford a Zwift membership. Zwift is a training platform for cycling. You bloody love Zwift. I do now. If you follow Dan on Instagram, Zwift. Zwift. <laughs> um, but in mind, I couldn't afford this at the time I was training for the games and that's 13 pounds a month. Um, but I did have the internet and the internet for all intents and purposes is free after you pay the monthly bill. But, um, I was, so I was using YouTube and Google to train to indoor videos uh, on, uh, and whatnot. And, and I was using, 
um, Google to basically find the fundamental basic and basics at best, like nutritional kind of things. And I'd copy other cyclists and you know, professionals and so on. And over a two-year process, I went into the various selection processes and then found myself in Sydney at the start line, the cycling event of the Invictus Games. Wow. And it was like, it's a very humbling feeling that, knowing that you've worked so hard towards something and then you've achieved it. And for me, the Invictus Games was my line in the sand between that military part of my life and the rest of my life. Bloody hell, what a story. Yeah. I think wow. I've taken up a lot of your time. I'm sorry. No, yeah. no, no. It's <laughs> so great for it, you for sharing it. It's so fast. It's so interesting. It's fascinating. And there's like so much to dive into. But you are also like, it's worth saying, and like I say this to I mean, everyone, anyone who's ever met you says the same thing, which is you are the most positive person I've ever known. <laughs> because in spite of all of that, and you, hearing it you're reminded that within your positivity there's so much resourcefulness and there's so much like want for better yeah. for yourself and for the people around you and it's like to spend time with you you feel that but even listening to your story just you know everybody will have taken that from you oh, which is just like an amazing like zest zest for life really yeah i think i think i think because i've seen and experienced what it's like to have absolutely nothing. But then I think I know there's always something that can be done, like always. And I think my my kind of mental um, outlook, if you like, that's probably the wrong, the wrong um, connotation, but is rather than focusing on what you haven't got, what you don't, what you, what you can't do, focus on what you can do. I really like that because I think I think humans are hardwired to see the negatives yeah. and see the obstacles. And I think that's so, that's a lesson for all of us to like focus on, okay, well, I can't, okay, yes, I can accept that, that I can't do that, but what can I do yeah. and be res resourceful and, and focus on what we are able to do. I think there's a lesson in, in all of us for that. H hearing your story, that's what you have done consistently throughout your life is ever since you had that accident that bad day that yeah that, that one, one bad day shitty day <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> is focus on what you can do even when you were at a you know your real rock bottom yeah you're like there's something's there still you yeah know, there's still some like hope yeah thank you for sharing with us it's really uh, thank, amazing you know to hear yeah thank, thanks for inviting me on it's been nice nice to see um, nice to meet you, Alex. Yeah. And Daisy at the back there. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. No. No. Thanks. Thanks for. Thanks for having me on. It's it's been it's been great to catch up. Yeah. And talk. Yeah. I have no doubt you're going to do some more extraordinary things, and I look forward to hearing about them. And not joining you. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. Welcome to if you like. Yeah. Thanks, Dan. Thank you so much, Dan. Should I delete that? Is part of the Acast Creator Network. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.